When I was younger, uh, growing up, uh, our family used to go and stay pretty much every single holiday. We would go and stay with my grandparents. And uh, one of the highlights, one of the many highlights of staying with my grandparents was first thing in the morning. And uh, my brother and I and my sister, when she was old enough to join us, and then sometimes our cousins were staying there as well, the first thing in the morning, we would go and we would just wait outside my grandparents' bedroom. And uh, then we would, uh, you know, see which one of us had the courage to be able to go into the bedroom. Because uh, my grandfather, he was, he was the most wonderful man, but, uh, you know, he, was, he could be a bit scary as well, you know, when you're, when you're this tall. And um, so one of us would, you know, creep in on tiptoe and just poke, poke our heads around the corner and... Uh, and sometimes uh, Granny would just, you know, shake her head. You know, he's, he's not awake yet. And, and so we would go back out and we'd, you know, whisper, stage left, you know, how long do you think he's going to be before he's awake? And, and eventually we got the all clear to go in. And we would go in and we would sit on his bed. And uh, the reason we were there was because he had a tin on his bedside table. And in it what was what he called treasure which, as you can probably guess, were bars of chocolate. And so that was the way we would start the day uh, when we were on holiday, which uh, I think is a great way of starting the day. Uh, thankfully, when we come to God, we don't have to wait for him to wake up. And uh, he does bless us with chocolate, but he's got a lot more than that for us as well. Last time I spoke, we looked at how Jesus promised his followers power from on high, and we've, uh, we're doing this series now from the book of Acts, although we're starting this morning just at the end of, of Luke's first book, Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus said, now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from, from heaven. Power from heaven, and the rest of the book of Acts is all about the story of what happened when ordinary people engaged with God and God's power was released. And they took the call that he gave them to heart. And uh, we'll look at a bit more of that story over the next couple of months. Now, two weeks ago, uh, we prayed for Anya. And uh, I've asked Anya to come and join me because at the end of the meeting, um, you came up and said you just wanted, what was it you wanted? <laughs> Um, more of God, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but it was quite interesting because um, Andrew was saying that, uh, you know, who ever wanted to receive the Holy Spirit as well. And I don't know, what, what did you... I don't, I don't remember what you offered, but all sorts of things. And um, Oh, yeah, baptism of the Spirit, that was That's it. Right. And so what happened I've been when... baptised. Well, I've been baptised as a child, and then I've recommitted my life to God when I was 25, so 10 years ago. And... Uh, I do believe that I received the Spirit then, so I do very much so believe that I have the Holy Spirit in me and have had for the last 10 years for sure, and yet I felt compelled to just go up and ask for Andrew to pray for me again, because I was like, well, I'm not sure if I actually had the Holy Spirit baptism ever. Um, so just to make sure about that, kind of, <laughs> I guess I wanted the prayer so for So what, what happened? A couple of us prayed for you, Yeah. Uh, and, and what, what was it like as you stood there receiving from God? I don't know. Nice. Nothing major. <laughs> <laughs> it felt very, very normal. So that's why I'm like, 
I don't know, it, nothing was different from what I've experienced with the spirit before necessarily or so. But I think where I noticeably noticed something was when, when you didn't ask whether I had um, the gift of speaking in tongues. And that's another thing that I always wanted to speak in tongues and mentors have told me just just brabble along and then it'll come and I'm like, okay. So I've been going, oh, you know, <laughs> bubbling along, right, as you do. But I've never had interpretation for it. I never had, you know, is it real or not? I don't know. And so again, I've asked Andrew to pray for for speaking in tongues. And what I've noticed then was that my my jaw was shaking. I don't know. I've, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like visibly shaking. And so um, I guess God been has been doing something. Still, I haven't been able to interpret it since <laughs> it was two weeks ago. And I don't know if there's anything different in me right now. But I just felt, you know, yeah, it's been good been a good experience because yeah. as we watched you as you were receiving from the holy spirit we could see god all over you and by that i mean uh you were your face looked peaceful your um your face was glistening mm. there was um there were some tears there was a bit of shaking you mentioned the jaw mm. uh there was swaying you know lots of different signs that the holy spirit was was working on you were you aware of those things not necessarily right <laughs> I sway a lot, frankly, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a mover. <laughs> and I cry a lot because I'm quite emotional. <laughs> so I think it happens fairly often to me as well. But yeah, I'm not necessarily therefore aware of it more when I'm being prayed for or not. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I think that illustrates just how natural and normal it is to receive from the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't have to shake and you know be hyper emotional and all that kind of thing the holy spirit just uses the natural processes and the emotions in our body he works with who we are and uh, it's wonderful when we can receive from him so let's uh, let's move on to acts chapter 1 verse 8 jesus said you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this call which the uh, Jesus followers took to heart was uh, a call to impact the whole world with what they had learned from Jesus. And the call was to start in Jerusalem. In other words, uh, to start with the people that they were close to, their family and friends, their business, work, colleagues, that kind of thing. But then, not to just stop there, but to spread out to Judea. In other words, geographically or maybe relationally, people who are just that little bit further, people who are still like you but maybe a bit more distant. But then also to go to Samaria. Samaria represented the people they disliked most, the people they felt divided from, people they would usually have nothing to do with. So they're called to go to those people as well. And then eventually to the ends of the earth. Uh, now we know from the next bit of the story that as Jesus spoke this, there were possibly, um, could have been as small as about a dozen, but it could have been as many as about 120 people who were addressed by Jesus on that day. And they would have remembered how Jesus sent out the 12 on a ministry trip, and then he sent out the 72, 
uh, telling them to preach the good news of the kingdom. That means the good news of God's rule and reign in our lives. And to see that working out in practice, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing those with incurable diseases, casting out demons, and to always to give freely, to give away generously, and to give lavishly, because that's the way that God gives to us. But at this point, Jesus now expands the workforce to everybody who believes in him. It's not just the 12. It's not just the church leaders. It's not just the 72 people who are, you know, uh, other ministry team as well. This is for everybody. Now, I don't know how you, you think about this as you look through this story. I would imagine it was probably quite a daunting task, don't you? To go and influence the whole world. And they were such a mixed group of people, weren't they? They were uh, a mixture of political agitators come freedom fighters, local businessmen, civil servants, ex-prostitutes, housewives, and a few other things thrown in for good measure. They were not the most impressive group of people. They are not the A-team that you would line up to change the world. They had no printing presses, no internet, no international connections, and as far as we know, they had no money either. Not really the best place to start when you have a project to change the whole world. I would never have chosen me to be a church planter. There are so many other people who appeared to be much better qualified than I am. But somehow, with this ragtaggle group and with me, I'll throw myself into the, into the crazy bunch as well, uh, somehow Jesus knew better. And just a couple of weeks later after this, they grew from about 120 people to 3,000 people in one day. That's the difference the power of God makes, and that's what we're talking about this morning. The Holy Spirit filling and working through ordinary people. Now, I don't know if you can picture what 3,000 people look like, because if you can picture something, you're more likely to be able to have faith for it. Uh, 3,000 people. That's, if you're familiar with the, the new theater uh, in the center, that takes about 1,800 people. So fill that twice. Or uh, those who came to Love Oxford uh, on Broad Street last summer, there was somewhere around three to 5,000 of us uh, from all the churches gathered together to worship Jesus. So it's that kind of a number. The commission that Jesus gave to his followers is still there for all of us. I don't know about you, but it can still feel just as daunting as it would have done to these early followers of Jesus, to that original 120. They had no idea. They hadn't read the story because it hadn't been written yet. They didn't know that in a few weeks' time, in one day, they were going to grow to over 3,000 people, and then a matter of weeks later, they were going to be over 5,000. They would probably have thought that, you know, people will come just in ones and twos, you know, much the same way that it does for us, doesn't it? How on earth can ordinary people like us, facing the challenges that we have in our culture and around the world, and they are huge challenges, aren't they? How can we see success? It is just as difficult and just as easy as it was for them as well. You know, 
I don't know how you would summarize the battle, but I just wrote down, we battle indifference, don't we, in our society, and very often in our own lives as well. We're part of society. We, we battle busyness, uh, fear. There's an increasing anti-Christian sentiment in our culture, and a lot more besides. So it's very easy to feel overwhelmed, to feel daunted by that, isn't it? How can we succeed? The answer for us is exactly the same as it was for that first ragtaggle group of early believers. It is the power of God that makes the difference. And that is what our country needs. That's what it's waiting for. People have seen religion. They've seen, uh, I don't want to be critical of other churches, but they've seen churches that have got stuck in many cases, with uh, tradition and religion. And what they need to experience is the reality of the power of God working through ordinary people. And God can do that through any of the churches. He loves the whole church, uh, even the lunatic fringe like us. It is the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that changes the playing field because God plus one is always a majority. So it doesn't matter how intimidated you may feel, it doesn't matter how big the problem is, or how overwhelmed you may feel, because you have God, you have the majority. And you have his power available to change impossible situations. So for this early group of 120, they had no idea what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. They had no idea how quickly the church was going to spread. But we have these stories to encourage us in the times when we feel a bit challenged. And we've got a, I've got another little video to come up. Uh, this shows you the spread of the church. Just roll when you're ready. Thank you. Uh, no sound on this one, please. Doesn't want to play, does it? There we go. A bit... Uh, <laughs> what you'll see is it starts with a tiny little pinprick in the promised land and it spreads quite rapidly around the Mediterranean then uh, into Asia huge churches there in Asia um, what it doesn't actually plot are the, is the impact of uh, other religions um, uh, there's a decrease at some stage uh, because of Islam and then the Mongol kingdom coming in as well. But this is roughly how the church spread. So by 600, huge difference that's been made there, right the way through, uh, through into China and Mongolia, Russia beginning to be influenced. And that's the, the Mongol invasion there, I think, probably. And... Uh, you know, ebbs and flows as kingdoms come and go. We're seeing ebbs and flows in our country, aren't we? Although uh, it's keeping it as, as white as uh, having been touched by the gospel, but we know the percentages are quite small at the moment. But the gospel is spreading, and, th and this call that God has given to his church to go into all the world, uh, people have taken seriously, and uh, people really sacrificed their lives in order to be able to do that. Alan Gardner went down to uh, South America to work in Argentina. 
And as far as I know, he never saw, in the decades that he was working there, he never saw a single person come to faith in Jesus. Okay, we can stop there. Thank you. Um, but what he did paved the way for the, uh, the revival in Argentina where hundreds of thousands of people came to faith in Jesus. According to the, the Joshua Project, which we've got on the next slide, there are over 7,000 people groups where, as far as we can tell, there isn't a single follower of Jesus. So we've still got a bit of work to do, haven't we? Just looking at Central Asia... There are 539 people groups, of which 369 are completely unreached. Not a single follower of Jesus, and uh, some of our people are working in, in those groups. You might think, well, what about the UK? Well, the UK figures they give us are 105 people groups, of which 32 are completely unreached. And many of the others are very, very partially reached, aren't they? There's still a huge amount for each one of us to do. Plenty of uh, work to keep us busy. So Jesus gave this group of 120 and us as well the call, the great commission to go into all the world. But he also blessed them as he did that. Luke chapter 24 verse 50. Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting up his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy, and they spent all their time in the temple praising God. It was as Jesus was giving them this great commission that he blessed them. The, the two things went together. And as Jesus was lifted up into the sky, it was just he was continually blessing them as, until he was gone from their sight. Acts 1 verse 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud, which represents God's glory, God's presence, while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Commission and blessing going together. So at this point, finally, the baton is handed over to Jesus' followers. Their final image of him was the call to the nations and blessing at the same time. So often we want God to bless us, and he wants to bless us too, so that's, that's not a bad thing. But he also wants us to go so that we can be blessed because the blessing is carried in the call and not just in the wonderful ministry times that we have and times like finding freedom and so on. And uh, very often we'll, we say, God, if you bless me, then maybe I'll go. And he says, okay, I'll bless you, but I want you to go so that I can bless you some more. The two go hand in hand. We are blessed with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we are blessed even more as we take the calling to heart, as we're obedient to Jesus. As you read through the rest of the New Testament, it says time and time again, if you love me, you'll obey me. And if you obey me, then uh, the blessings will come. As they were standing there worshipping Jesus, uh, because by this stage they had realized that he really was God, uh, some angels appeared, uh, appeared as ordinary men and started to chat to them, explaining what was going on because the, you know, they, the penny hadn't fully dropped for them. And uh, they reminded the disciples that Jesus was going to come back, just as he had taught them. And at the end of the age, whenever that may be, Jesus will return in glory. 
in the same way that he went, with the Father's glory and uh, with incredible power. And we'll talk more about that another time. But he's not going to come back until the job is done. And he's given us this call to go to all nations and to go to our neighbors and our friends and our work colleagues and uh, the people that we really don't like and the people that we maybe feel we don't feel very comfortable with them because of something or other, maybe their political beliefs or the way they dress or the kind of music they listen to or they talk with a funny accent or, you know, whatever it is that we allow to divide us from other people. Those people need Jesus too. The response of Jesus' followers was, firstly, that they obeyed him. They went back into Jerusalem. Uh, they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. But they also responded with worship. In, uh, we saw that in Luke 24, 52. They worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. Now, they'd come for a religious uh, festival and so that's why they were able to spend time uh, at the temple every day. Not everybody can do that. But we can all worship every day. When, they, when we realize who Jesus really is, when we realize just how incredible he is and what he's done for us, not only does it turn our world upside down, but our hearts respond with worship. They also responded with prayer, Acts 1.14. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Prayer meeting, 5.30 tonight. Uh, there's another one Tuesday evening at 5.30. And every Sunday morning, 9.30 till 10 o'clock, just go down the corridor and in the balcony there or the room just going off it, we always gather to pray because prayer makes an incredible difference. And as I'm sure you probably know, the thing about prayer and worship is that it is so much more than just intellectual consent or some kind of religious box ticking. It is opening ourselves to Jesus at the most deep level of our being. It is a surrender and an outpouring of our soul, the deepest part of us, our, our deepest thoughts, our deepest emotions, the, uh, the desires, the, the, the stuff that really makes us who we are. And we pour all of that out before God. It is through worship and prayer and also the Bible, that we find our strongest and most real connection with God. And this soul-level connection that they had as they worshipped and as they prayed and as they poured out their lives before Jesus prepared the way for the next thing that was going to happen on the day of Pentecost when the world started to change. I think if they hadn't prepared their soul, their heart, got themselves ready, I don't think the Holy Spirit would have been able to come because they wouldn't have been ready. And so the question for us is, you know, are we ready? Are we pouring ourselves out and uh, giving Jesus everything? They also responded very practically, we're told here, and made sure that they had leaders in place. Uh, Judas had betrayed Jesus, and rather than repenting so that he could be forgiven, he fell into a negative spiral of self-condemnation and depression and unfortunately committed suicide. He could have repented. He could have been restored, just like the other 11 followers of Jesus did. Uh, but he was gone, so they needed to replace him. Verse 24, they all prayed, Lord, you know every heart. 
Show us which of these men you've chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he's deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. Now, sometimes this can seem like almost an incidental detail because we, we want to get on to the next bit, don't we? We want to read about the day of Pentecost. We want to read about the excitement of the church growing. But this is actually a really important aspect of uh, their response to Jesus. Uh, it's something that we see happening when the Holy Spirit starts to move, that he puts people in place. <clears throat> The structures that we have, the leaders that we have, the ministry teams that we have are all very important. They are all hopefully God-ordained and God-ordered. Uh, we need structure to support life. Apparently, if you didn't have a skeleton, you and I would only be three inches off the ground. That's as tall as we could grow. We need structure to support life, and that's what they were doing here, making sure that they had the right people in place. And so expect to see God moving people into place. And that could be moving people to come and join us. It could be God releasing you into a new area of ministry or a new area of leadership. But it comes with a willingness on our part to be able to say, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Now, when we do that, the fear is that God's going to ask us to do something really terrible and something that we would hate. And... Uh, you know, if you hate spiders, you can guarantee that God's going to call you to go to a country where there are just millions of spiders and snakes. And my experience is that God's not mean. Have you found that? He loves us. He wants to bless us. He's created us. He's given us a particular shape with our, uh, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experience. And he's done that for a reason, because there is a perfect place for us to be deployed. And if you hate snakes and spiders, it's unlikely that God's going to call you to go uh, to work in a zoo or wherever it may be. Or he can heal you of the fear. We'll pray for that as well. But the point is, <laughs> no, it's a good point, it's a good point, uh, but the point is that God has designed us perfectly for the job that he wants us to do, and that connects with the things that we're passionate about, um, and uh, so that's often a, a good way of seeing what God wants us to do. So those kinds of things, help them to be ready, help them to be in place for one of the most momentous days in history on the day of Pentecost, which we're going to look at another time. So let's just move to the last slide. Just like the early followers of Jesus, we have an impossible task. Impossible if it were not for the Holy Spirit. And we are called, we are blessed, we have all of God's resources available to us, because he lives in us, and all we have to do is respond. The Holy Spirit is in us, revealing Jesus, empowering us to be able to do what he's called us to do. We can heal the sick. We can drive out demons. We can break the hold that Satan has over our society. Because darkness can never overcome light. And if we're willing to take the light, then that will drive out the darkness. We can see thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus. I think the season for that is coming very close. 
You know, we hear the sound of, of the rain coming. We see the signs of God moving. So what's happening in your heart today? How is God speaking to you? What is he saying? What is he stirring? And sometimes there may be things that he makes us... No, let me rephrase that. There are things where our response to what God is doing is discomfort. It's not that God is doing something negative or something that is bad for us, but it's our response, our stuff. Uh, it can feel uncomfortable. And, and sometimes that's an indicator that there are things that we need to deal with because uh, we're broken people, aren't we? We need, we need a savior. We've got a savior. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit to bring transformation to our lives. And that's what finding freedom is all about. For some of you, God has been stirring you at a deep level, maybe challenging your complacency, um, maybe challenging your lack of faith. And there are times when I have to admit that I feel intimidated by the intellectualism and the, the things that we face in the Oxford area. Do you believe that Jesus can change society, that he can change our country and he can change the world again? Do you believe that he can use you? It's easy to have faith for other people, but we need to have faith for ourselves as well. If God could use that early group of misfits, the answer is yes, isn't it? He can use anybody. And he will use us if we take this call to heart. I would love to see everybody at the training that Mark Marks is doing because even if you don't go out onto the street and do healing on the street, you need to know how to pray for people. You need to know how to pray for people in a non-church context. We talk about taking the walls off the church. We really need to do that. We need to press that pedal again and again to take the blessing that we receive out uh, onto the street, whether it's through healing on the streets or whether it's... Uh, praying for people in our colleges, our workplaces, our uh, sports centers, wherever it may be. And the Healing on the Streets model is a, such a simple model of how to pray for people in an unchurchy, non-religious way that allows the Holy Spirit to come through in the most beautiful way. If you've never seen people healed, if you've never seen a miracle, then come along because I can guarantee that you will see people healed. It happens every time. But without, without that uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit and without the training that we need, the understanding that we need as well, we will struggle to see the Great Commission fulfilled because we need to see the, works and wor the words and works of Jesus. We need to see the power of God released because it is the power of God that makes the difference. And you can argue with people, you can use apologetics, and it has some value to it until someone who's more clever comes along and messes up all the arguments. But people can't argue when they see a leg grow out or where they see someone who's blind who can see. Uh, it's the power of God that we need to change our society. So let's, let's stand together, shall we? Jesus' promise to his followers was that if they waited on him, they would receive power from on high. And 
And sometimes uh, when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, it's a very visible, a very uh, demonstrable kind of thing. We can see the impact. It's like putting your finger in an electricity socket. You feel the power, and other people can see it too. But so often when God comes to us, it's very gentle as well. So don't write that off. If you come into God's presence with an open heart, hungry for him, you will change, even if you're not aware of the change that happens. So Holy Spirit, we say again, you're so welcome. We thank you that uh, we're not just called and commissioned, but we're blessed. And we thank you for the incredible blessings that you pour out on us. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you that there is nothing that is too big or too small for you to forgive. We thank you that there is no detail in our lives that is uh, not of interest to you. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you that uh, you place us in your family, that you love us more than we can possibly understand. We thank you for the incredible blessings that you've given to each one of us. Thank you for the ability to be able to come into your presence through worship. Thank you for that incredible gift of music that you give us that leads us into your presence. Thank you for uh, the Bible, your living word that speaks to us. Thank you for your promise that you are with us every minute of every day, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you never turn away from us, and no one can snatch us from your hand. Thank you that we have a hope that is firm and secure. And even if they have earthquakes in South Wales, that the things that you give us cannot be shaken at all. You give us a kingdom, a reality that is unshakable, a truth that is secure, a hope that is secure for the future. Thank you that we have relationship with you that will keep us alive right through eternity. And we thank you for the call to give that away. And Father, I have to confess that at times I just feel scared witless by that. And I don't know what to do. And I don't know how to reach out. And I don't know. Uh, I allow fears to, uh, to come in and pull me off track and distort what you've said. And, and so, Father, we confess that we are a broken people. And we need your power. We need your help. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. Come and fall upon the sacrifice of our lives. We ask that you come and fill us and equip us. And again, Lord, I ask for more of your love, more of your power, more of your love, more of your peace, more of your joy, more of your life shining from inside us, more of your healing released in us. Uh, Lord, we need physical healing. I need physical healing this morning. And so I reach out to you for that. I need to be changed to be more like Jesus. I need uh, all the, those different quirks of our character. We need those healed as well. And so we place those before you. And we thank you that we can do that because you're good, that you love us so much, that you never rebuke us, you're never cross with us, you never lose your temper with us, but that you so gently... Woo us and restore us. And we want to be able to proclaim how good you are to this nation that is 
turned so far away from you. So Holy Spirit, would you come and equip us now? May your kingdom come in our lives. We want to see your rule and your reign in our lives. Not our rule, not our kingdom, but we want to see your rule and your reign in our lives. We want your will to be done in our lives, in our church, in this city, in this area, in exactly the same way that it is in heaven. We thank you that there is no sickness in heaven. There is no financial shortage. There are no relationship problems. And so, uh, Lord, we proclaim your goodness. And uh, in Jesus' name, I release the blessings of the kingdom over you. Just as Jesus uh, spoke his blessing over his people, he speaks it again to us today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you safe as you go into unsafe places. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May you be aware just how incredibly your Heavenly Father loves you. And the twinkle in his eye, and the smile on his face, and the gentleness of his hands, and the passion in his heart. So may you walk in peace. May you bring peace wherever you go. May God's blessing rest upon you. May you overflow. May you leak with the Holy Spirit in your workplaces, in your homes, your shared houses, amongst your family and friends, amongst the people that uh, really wind you up and tick you off, amongst the people who you really don't feel attracted to. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you release your gifts now. Gifts of evangelism, gifts of prophecy, uh, gifts of hospitality, gifts of welcome, gifts of uh, making money for the kingdom, gifts of insight and oversight, gifts of pastoring and care. All the gifts, we pray. All the gifts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we're not going anywhere for another five minutes, so just carry on receiving. Because the Holy Spirit's at work. You may feel him, you may not feel him. That's okay, it really doesn't matter. But I can see the Holy Spirit on some of you because I can see the signs of him working. And so, Holy Spirit, we say you're very welcome here. And we ask for more. So some of you are experiencing tingling or heat or what feels almost like oil on your hands. Uh, that's because God is anointing you. Who's, who's feeling that this morning? Okay, a couple of people. Uh, if you'd like to start praying for others, just uh, look and see where God's at work and just go with it. Some of you are feeling sensations in your, uh, your lips, your tongue, your mouth area. Who's feeling that? Just stick up a hand. Because God is wanting to anoint people this morning, and that is an anointing for uh, preaching the good news and for evangelism 
And uh, I know God's doing it. Maybe you're not quite tuned in to what God's doing, but, uh, but it's there. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Can we have the other mic on, please? Thanks. I was just wondering whether anyone was um, was <laughs> influenced or touched by what um, Anya said this morning about speaking in tongues, and it's something that you've you know about, you've wanted to do, um, but it just doesn't seem to flow for you. And if that's the case, I just believe that God wants to just pour that gift out on and through you. Um, you know, it's for our it's for our good. It's to build us up, and He doesn't want anyone not to have everything that is for our good. So if anybody would like prayer for that, um, just grab somebody or, or come up the front, however you want to do that, and we'll pray uh, for the release of the gift of tongues. As we wait on God like this, you can expect God to speak to you as well. And uh, he may speak to you about any number of different things. He treats each one of us individually. He may talk to you about uh, some healing that you need or maybe someone you need to forgive or uh, something you need to put right with him, that kind of area. He may uh, just remind you that you need some physical healing. We'd love to pray for you for that. He may speak to you, may give you a prophecy for yourself or it could be for other people. Even if you're 80% certain that you've got it wrong, give it anyway because you may suddenly find, actually, that it was correct. Um, uh, so God may speak to you about your work situation. Uh, God has been speaking to a number of people about starting new businesses and creativity in that area, both uh, in the charity sector and uh, in mainstream business. So you can expect God to be speaking to you. Uh, the Bible tells us that God is always speaking, so... Um, take some time to listen to what he's saying. Father, thank you that you're here with us. Uh, we acknowledge your presence and we ask for more. And uh, we ask that we would once again be marked out as people of your presence, people who carry uh, the fragrance of Jesus into different situations. And we ask that uh, despite all our brokenness and our failures, that you would use us. And I ask specifically for each one of us opportunities to share our faith this week, to be a witness by what we do, but also a witness by what we say. And we ask that you line those up and that you give us everything that we need to be able to do that. Formally, we're going to close now, but God is at work, and a number of people are receiving, so just carry on receiving. If you'd like prayer for any reason, grab someone near you or come down to the front. We'd love to pray for you. But if you have children, you need to go and pick them up from uh, Vineyard Kids, please. But you can always bring them back. There are drinks at the back. There's more information at the back as well, so you can take your Connect card there so that you uh, get the weekly email and we can keep you in touch with what's going on. But God bless you. See you next weekend.